Turn mine up. <laughs> check, check. <laughs> oh, down at the cross where my Savior died. Down where for cleansing from sin I cry and there to my heart was the blood applied.
singing glory to His name. Glory to His name. There to my heart was the blood applied. Glory to His name. Give God a big hand clap. You wait till I get back to Florence and tell them I joined the quartet. <laughs> is, there anything, is there anything you can't do, Pastor? I'll tell you right now. I was good. Wow. <laughs> I loved it. I'll tell you. I didn't like my singing, but I loved that quartet. i tell you, you guys did great. I didn't know you could do that. I'm kind of one talented sort of fellow, you know, I... I take the scripture where the Lord said, make a joyful noise, and I translate that to make a happy racket, and I join the team. <laughs> so uh, I'm glad what you said. I'm glad somewhere between my singing off key and heaven must sound good in the heart of God. So anyway, thank you guys for being here. Good to meet uh, Larry number two. I tell you, he's, well, good to have you here tonight. i so delighted to have some... A special folks here that uh, John and Mary and girls and Ariana, that was awesome, Carl. Amen. Thank you. Good to have all of you. It's hard to believe. I was just thinking today, we came, June and I started working our way here Friday, and here it is Wednesday, and it's hard for me to think really that it's Thursday and tomorrow night's the last night of the meeting. Um, you know, it, it's amazing how when you get with God's people, Time is not the big factor. It's like an eternal thing, and you engage in that. Before you know it, you look around, and time is gone. And so thank you for being so kind and hospitable and loving, and Pastor and Nancy, and you guys know how to take care of folks. That's all i got to say. So I, uh, I tell you my dog joke, and June don't like it. I, I just rebel and tell it anyway. But anyway... I don't know if you know, but down uh, south of here, uh, down in a place called Louisiana, uh, they talk a little different, like some of us do in Alabama. You know, we kind of sing it out. But, uh, but uh, down in Louisiana, they, they talk a little different. In other words, they don't call onion. Onion is onion, you know. And I used to watch this, this guy on TV, and I, 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 I didn't watch it for anything but listen to him talk. I love to hear that Cajun talk, so... There's a couple of guys that lived down there. One's named Boudreaux, Boudreaux and one named Tipidot. And they were big buddies. And Boudreaux was out one day riding around in the neighborhood. And he happened to ride by Tipidot's house. And he had, Tipidot had a sign out in the front yard, Talking Dog for Sale. Well, that, that kind of intrigued Boudreaux. So he turned around, went back, pulled in the driveway, knocked on the door, went in the house, and him and Tipidot were talking. He said, Tipidot, you, you got a talking dog for sale? Yeah, I got one in the backyard. He said, does he really talk? He really talks. 
Can I, you mind if I go out and listen to him? Talk? Oh, no, come on out in the backyard. I'll let you listen to my dog talk. So Boudreaux go and Tiffany go out in the backyard. There lays this old dog, and Boudreaux walked up and say, are you, are you a talking dog? The dog said, I'm a talking dog. I am. I can talk. I not only am a talking dog, I'm a famous dog. He said, I not only live in this backyard, I've traveled around the world. I work for uh, the federal government, and I, I work for private industry, and I mean agencies, and on. I've traveled the globe. Boudreaux go, wow. That's a famous talking dog. They go back in the house and Boudreaux say to Tippetoe, how much you want for that dog? He say, $10. He say, $10 for a talking dog? How come it's so cheap? Tippetoe say, he's a liar. He ain't never been out of the backyard. <laughs> <laughs> so, General, forgive me for telling my dog jokes anyway. In a, in a, and I will call it a Baptist church, so forgive me for just, I'll just say that lightheartedly. There was a Baptist church and had a great preacher, growing ministry. And one of the deacons sat on the front, uh, second row, went to sleep every Sunday. And it really was an embarrassment to this famous pastor, so he, he told one of his ushers, he said, you see how deacon go to sleep, you wake him up. Well, sure enough, preacher gets up and preaching, and before no, the deacon falls over asleep. And the head usher saw it, came down, and shook him up. The guy didn't wake up, and, 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 and finally, he decked him. <laughs> he knocked him down between the pew and leaned over him, and when he leaned over him, he heard the man say, hit me again, I can still hear him. <laughs> <laughs> if you fall asleep tonight, ain't nobody going to deck you, all right? So, Take your Bible and turn with me to Psalm 118, and I... Uh, I want to share something. It's amazing. I, uh, I, I guess when you pray and seek God and say, God, you, you know, I'm, I'm at the age I could say this to you, th these preachers that are here. At my age, I, people go, are you, are you trying to get up a sermon? It's not about a sermon anymore. It's about well, what's God saying? You know, I've got, I've got enough sermons to preach till I get to heaven. But I hate going back and trying to pick out something. I'd rather hear what God is saying, and if it fits into that, I, I can pick out and do something with it. Pinto beans ain't bad warmed over, but I want to know if I want some pinto beans. So God, I want God to speak to my heart and, and, and say, Lord, what is it that you want to say here at Hosanna tonight to us? So anyway, let me tell you what the title of the message I want to talk about uh, <clears throat> Sunshine on a rainy day. And that's not an S-U-N, it's an S-O-N. Sunshine on a rainy day. Let me give you a subtitle. Rediscovering Hope. We now, we're now living, as believers, we're now living in a, as you well know, I've said it here already, in a culture that is rapidly becoming hostile to the Christian faith. Now, it doesn't mean everybody. Not everybody's bowed their knee to Baal. We know that. But it's becoming increasingly hostile when you say Jesus is the way and the only way that immediately you've created an issue. 
So when I look around in the natural, when I look around and I turn on the, the news or I re- pick up the paper, it looks like we're losing. In the natural, it looks like we're losing. Uh, Christianity is, is uh, in popularity, is going this way. I don't know if you know this, but churches are closing right and left. Church attendance is continually declining. And I don't mean to be negative. I'm just trying to paint a picture of the culture in which we're living in. And so in the middle of that, uh, we tend to lose hope of getting up in the morning and tomorrow being better than today. Because, let let me define the word hope. And because I want to subtitle, Rediscovering Hope. Sunshine on a rainy day. Let me define hope. Hope is a feeling that something good will happen or be true. Hope is a feeling. It connects my emotion just like love does. Hope is a feeling that something good will happen or something that is true will happen. Now, the emotions don't always agree with that, but that's what hope is. And, and I can give you a number of scriptures, so let me, don't try to turn there. Let me just quote them to you. I wrote them down so I can do it quickly. Psalm 39, 7, David said, My hope is in you, the Lord. Psalm 119, 147, he said, I hope in your word. Notice where his hope is. And then in Romans 5, 5, Paul said, Hope does not disappoint. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hebrews 6, 19, This hope we have as an anchor of the soul and which enters the presence behind the veil. So if the body of Christ begins to see hope dwindle, we, as the Bible said, we began to be sick at heart, and we start, if we're not careful, believing that things will never get any better because faith is the substance of things hoped for. Okay? Now let me say this about hope. Hope is always future. Hope is always future tense. Faith is always present tense. You cannot have faith tomorrow. Because when you get there, guess what? It's now. Because 11 of Hebrews, faith is now the substance, or now faith is. Faith is always now. I tell people, you can never believe the Lord in a minute. You've got to believe God right now. Now, you can believe down here, but when you get there, it's now, see? But hope is never, never present. It's always future tense. We hope, and our hope takes on reality in faith. Now, I set all that to set up Psalm 118. I've, the circles that I've traveled in for the last half century, and we've We've, we've written songs about it, we've talked about it, and we quote it, Psalm 118. This is the day the Lord has made, let us rejoice and be glad in it. I mean, we Pentecostal charismatic, that's one of our, yeah, this is the day the Lord has made, I just ran over my cat, and my, <laughs> but this is the day the Lord's made, I just, well, you know, it's like one day I went 
to have my my eyes checked and they my eyes checked and they you know they uh, dilated is what I'm trying my eyes it takes two to preach my sermons but anyway <clears throat> they dilated my eyes and and I didn't nobody was with me I don't know why I didn't take June but anyway so I, I I was driving a jeep at the time had a had a trailer hitch on the back so it was raining that day so I come out of there with my eyes yeah you can't see if it's on a Sunday day. And I jump in that Jeep and put it in reverse and run into a police car. <laughs> My God, of all the things I could run into, it was a policeman, you know. And I have to go and I go, is the policeman here? I just, <laughs> I mean, she, she was a woman and she was not, not happy. But anyway, we have days like that. Do you understand? Now, if you think you're going to get up in the morning and you're going to get up the next morning, everything just going to be hunky-dory. Uh, welcome to another world that it don't turn out that way. Unfortunately, God created us to overcome those days and never lose hope in the middle of it, okay? So, but I grew up with this Psalm 118, this is the day the Lord's made, I will rejoice and be glad in it, not knowing the context nor the meaning of what the psalmist David was trying to say. Because he was trying to get me to rediscover hope again on any given day. Okay? Now let me read it. I'll talk about it. And then we'll do some points. They told me in seminary, Doc, when you preach, have at least one. All right. Verse 22, Psalm 118. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. All right, you see that? Well, let's look at it for a minute. The stone, verse 22, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Now, the Gospels in Matthew, Mark, Luke, all of them talk and quote that particular part of that verse. Now, my question is, the stone which the builders, that were the Jews, rejected, when did that climax, when did that occur? Well, you know the answer if you've thought about it. That The psalmist said, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. When did that happen? It happened at the cross. The ultimate rejection was at the cross. Okay? Because, I know you know, uh, on the Day of Atonement, when, when they celebrated that, the chief priest had to present the lamb for the sacrifice on the Day of Atonement. And if you remember, at the cross, it was the chief priest who orchestrated that whole crucifixion. He had to be the one to present the sacrifice, even though with him it was negative, with God it was his plan, all right? So, <clears throat> right here in the text... The stone which the builders rejected is a marvelous thing. It has become the chief cornerstone. Was the day Jesus died at the cross. Okay, let's go further. Look at verse 23. This was the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. Now, how many of you know nobody killed Jesus? Some people think, well, they murdered the Lord. They didn't murder the Lord. He said, no one takes my life. I'd lay my life down as a ransom for many. Nobody sneaked upon Jesus. He could have called a multitude of angels any given time to stop the whole process. But he knew this was God's will because he had, he had gotten word from the Father and he walked it out. So, uh, 
This, this thing that's going on at the cross where the rejection occurred was, the God, was God's doing. Now, look at verse 24. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. What day? Not this day. That day. See, the psalmist is not saying, okay, I get up in the morning and say, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Now, it is the day the Lord has made, but that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about that day. That day is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice in that day, this day. Okay? Now, with, with, the, with that in mind, let me give you a point or two. First of all, what are principles that come out of finding sunshine on a rainy day or restu- re- rediscovering hope when we need it? Point one. Bring what was real then into this day and let that become real now. Let me say it again. Bring what was real on that day into this day and let that that was in that day be real this day. That's principle number one. Now, what happened at the cross is, and you know that, that uh, how can I say this? Well, I'll say it in a minute, okay? <laughs> I think I know what I'll say. What, what I'm seeing God say to my heart, okay, Doc, you're having a bad day here, or the culture's turning sour and going downward. Okay, how, how do I navigate days that don't turn out well? You know, well, here, here's what I do. I go back in my heart, according to the Word, to that day. And I began that day to look at what happened on that day. And that is the day the Lord has made. And before I know it, I bring that into this day. And I find myself rejoicing this day about that day. And I'm not rejoicing about the bad things that happened this day. I'm just saying that day is bigger than this day. Therefore, this is the day the Lord has made. And I will rejoice today and be glad in it. You see how that changes everything. I mean, let me tell you right now, you folks that work public works, you go in on Monday happy and see if everybody else don't get mad at you. Well, what are you happy about? It's not what's going on now. It's what went on back here that I'm now part of. (laughs) Well, let let me talk about it. God's a big God. You know this. God is a big God. And, you know, God is so big... Uh, I, I wrote these, these, these are probably my three biggest words I know. I only knew two more, gymnasium and, and mayonnaise, that was my two big words. But now I've discovered another one too. How you know that God is omnipotent? You know what that means? That means God doesn't lack in any power. He has all power. Now, come on now, let, let, let's think about this. God don't need you. You don't need me. I mean, he can use the dog next door if he wanted to. He used a donkey. Come on now. Let's don't get so conceited and go, God, what would you do without me? What did he do before you came along? <laughs> What's he going to do when you're gone? God's going to say, don't know what I'm going to do now. He's gone. Let me tell you, listen to me. God loves you and wants to engage you in who he is and what he's doing. 
Hallelujah. You don't need me. If God, listen, if God had a need, he'd have a weakness. He has desires, but that is not a weakness. It's the expression of his love that he has for us. He's omnipotent. He has all power. You know the amazing thing? I mean, I can say that, but it's hard for me to get my head around it because when I, when I look at somebody in a wheelchair and I go, wow, Lord, you could just raise them up. It's much easier for me to believe for a, for a coal over here than it is to get up. Why? It's because I don't understand that God's omnipotent. It, listen, it's no harder for God, listen, to, to raise up somebody in a wheelchair than it is to heal a coal over here. But see, my thinking is, yeah, according to my own strength, I remember, oh, I don't know, some years ago, it was in Birmingham, Alabama, R.W. Schembach told about the greatest miracle he ever saw in his life. They were in a big tent with another evangelist in Birmingham, Alabama, and he said, I think the other evangelist at that time was preaching, he says, he's up preaching, and, and, and while he's preaching, this, this lady walks down the aisle with, in, in a, with a blanket wrapped around a, a, a hunk of flesh. Schambach said she walked up to the evangelist that was preaching and asked to pray for God to heal her son. Schambach said, I walked over there and said, this, this son uh, didn't, didn't have any hands, didn't have any feet. Part of his chin was gone, his tongue's hanging out, didn't have any ears, didn't have any sex organ. Schambach said he was a, a piece of flesh, just barely alive, and said when we prayed, I watched God create a human being. He said, I wa immediately the chin grew, the tongue, packed, tongue popped back in its rightful place. Ears grew, sex organs grew, hands grew, feet grew. Until I, Shambach said, I stood there and watched God create a human being. He said, listen to me. And when that happened, people that were in wheelchairs, that were brought in in stretchers, every one of them leaped out, out, out of wheelchairs, got up out of stretch. He said, as far as I know, everybody in that tent got healed that day because the omnipotent God showed himself for who he is. Now, that's what I'm talking See, 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 I... I want to bring God to where I am rather than go where He is. I mean, you know, I'll come down here and go, Lord, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm having a hard time. I said, yeah, I know, but uh, I'm moved with the feeling of your human weakness, but I'm still omnipotent. I'm God. Second thing, He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. You know, He knows everything. You know, it's amazing. I mean, I say that, but do you believe that? You believe God knows everything. Did you know He knows what you think before you think it? That's a little scary. As I said, I think last night, then why does God call us to confess? Why do we confess our sins? It's not, be, listen, it's not because he don't know. It's because we in our confession agree with him in his conviction and agree with him in his redemption. That's what confession, homologia, we disagree. He's omniscient. He's not a, only omniscient, he's all-powerful. Did you know God is light? The Bible said in, in 1 John, you know what it is, God is love, God is light, you know? God is life. Those are three, three words that bounce through 1 John and those few chapters. Did you know that light travels at 186,000 miles per second? Let me know, that's better than a VH Chevrolet. And you can soup it up and it still can't do it. 186,000 miles per second. 
Did you know that the earth sits in a universe, a galaxy, and it just sits? You ever thought about earth? It's not sitting on nothing. <laughs> I mean, I, I go, well, because everything, I mean, you know, come on. This bottle has to sit on something. I can't just sit it out here. <laughs> it's got to have something to rest on. Isn't that right? Well, the, this ball called Earth is just sitting out here, or out here in space. Yeah, just sitting on what? All things are upheld by the word of His power. Hallelujah. The word of God holds that thing and, and, and lets it do its thing 24-7 because the omnipotence of God and the omniscient, He knows everything. When the sun comes up every morning, it was ordained of God. Now, I... I love the fact that God knows everything. I mean, you, you know, uh, if He knows everything, why don't I just be honest? Why don't I just say, you know, I'm having a heart. You, you know, I like what Jesse Duplanter said one time. He said, I, I was in the mall, and uh, what's his wife's name? De uh, Kathy. And Kathy was shopping. He said, I'm just sitting there, and this pretty girl walked by, and man, I'm looking at her, and he said, man, the truth of the matter, I like what I see, and and I didn't know what to do about that, and finally I said, I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> you know Jesse, I mean, you know. Whether you like him or not, the boy, uh, he missed his calling. He should have been a comedian. But anyway, Jesse said, so I'm still sitting there, and another person walked by, and he said, I jumped up off my seat, and I wanted him to say, excuse me, ma'am. I just want you to know I'm lusting after you, and I want you to forgive me. I've sinned against God. How many of you know? That's, that, that deals with our pride. But how many know God already knew? He knows everything. He's omnipotent. He's omniscient. And, and did you know what? He's omnipresent. You know what? He can be here and up there and move yonder all the same time. He's in your heart and he's in mine too. And you know that, that, that this God lives in St. Joe, but he lives in Alabama too. How can he live in two places at once? Because he's omnipresent. Because he's more real in this room than you are. Because pastor's sitting right up here. He can't be back yonder. Why? He's up here. But God's up here, back yonder, and out there, out in the park. I mean, come here, you know, I mean, you know, God's everywhere. That's how I'm trying to labor how big God is. Let, let's don't try to shrink Him. You know, we're talking about let's bless the Lord and magnify the Lord. How are you going to magnify the Lord? You're not. You're going to magnify how you see Him. I love, I, I love the Word, and I, I love scriptures like Romans 8, 28. Now, let me say to you, God is able and God does cause all things to work together for the good of those that love God that are called according to His purpose. Now, let me, let me say this. God don't do the bad things. God said, I'm bigger than the bad things. Now, now let me, please hear me. <clears throat> Romans 8, 28 works in all things. It don't work in anything. That, listen to me. That doesn't mean God did the bad thing, but God's bigger than the bad thing. Come on now. You go, I just don't see how. I mean, I've lost my family. I'm not telling you that's God, but I'm telling you one thing. This God that I'm talking about is bigger than a lost family. And if you'll trust Him, if you'll begin to draw from that day into this day, then God can redeem this awful thing because that's the kind of God He is. I love, I love Genesis 50 and the latter part there, verse 30. About this, I love the story of Joseph. I mean, you know, Joseph was 
he's a little prideful. Can't you just see him? He's a little, you know, he had this fancy coat. and He liked to, you know. I think he just kind of go. And then didn't have this dream about you boys going to bow down to me. You know, that sort of thing. Well, you know, they, you know the story. They sold him in in slavery, and he went from one trouble to another. And you get down at the end, and he's the vice president, if you will, of Egypt in charge of all the goods. And his father and his brothers are hungry, and they come to get help. I love it. And, and then, and then that, that scripture, uh, I, I, let, me, let me just read it to you. You don't have to turn there. This is what he said. Joseph said to his brothers, verse 19, Don't be afraid, for I, I'm, at, I'm, in the, I'm in the place of God. I'm where God wants me. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. <laughs> That's Romans eight twenty eight. I know you meant it for bad, but God is big enough to take what you meant for bad, turn it around, and in this awful day I'm having, because of that day I'll bring it into this day, and, I, and this is the day the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. See, and then joy, as one brother said, if the devil can't get you joy, he can't keep your goods. But when he gets your joy, is that every time you turn around, it looks like we're losing. Oh, whoa, wait a minute. We're not going to lose. Let's go back here and bring that here and begin to see life now based on that, not based on my surroundings. I, I, love, I love Jonah. I, Jonah was, I can relate to Jonah. John, I mean, you know. <laughs> well, anyway, you know, Jonah wound up wasted in the belly of a fish. And um, when he got down, can you imagine? I mean, I mean, I read it and I don't even smell fishy when I read it. This little boy's in the belly of a, a, a large fish. I mean, that must have been a whopper of a fish. And in the belly of the fish, let me, let me give you the scripture. This is what he said. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. The word remember, he said, I, I collected my thoughts and reflected on how big God really is. Some of us have been down in the belly of a fish a few times. Now, I don't know about you, but I tend to whine. Oh, Lord. I, I am... Uh, I was just thinking that well, during worship about Paul and Silas. Remember that 16th chapter of Acts? I, I can see this. Paul and Silas, they're doing God's will. Can you imagine? Lord, I was doing what you told me to do, and here I'm in jail. That's a good opportunity. When you can't figure it out, the devil will put a voice in there, and he'll figure it out for you. Come on now. When you can't figure out when you're doing the right thing, and somehow it's not turning out, the devil will use that, and he'll give you a voice to identify what's going on, and it's a lie, and when you believe that, you empower that thing. I can see old Paul and Silas in jail and it's about midnight, and man, I mean, you talk about in a mess. They're in a mess. Hey, Silas, how you feeling? I'm on old Paul. Pretty tough down here. I'm cold and hungry. <laughs> I thought you told us God called us to do this. <laughs> okay, Lord, I... Uh, Paul, I want to know why the Lord's got us down here. If he's so good and wonderful, how come we're in jail? 
Oh, Paul said, hey, Sam, you know that, you remember that song we used to sing at Hosanna that pastor really liked about that worthy, worthy, worthy? <laughs> you, you, you remember that? Silas said, who couldn't? <laughs> we sang it a lot at our church. It's a wonderful song. Pastor loved it. Well, Silas, I tell you what let's do. Let's sing it now. Come on now. Don't excuse me. I just feel a streak of glory. I can, I can just see old Paul inside of standing up in that jail and go, all right, let's sing. And they start singing, worthy, worthy, worthy. And guess what? God liked it. All of a sudden, the ground began to shake. And their day, come on now, because they connected to that day and brought that day into that jail cell and began to rejoice this day in that day, God sent an earthquake and the jailer and his family got saved. I, I, am, I don't know if I'm one-fourth or one-eighth, it doesn't matter. I'm part Cherokee. So if I go on a warpath, don't be him in your office. I, I, all I know is I'm part Cherokee. Down in our part of the world, the, the, you know, the First Nations people, Cherokees, were pretty popular back in, in those days. And I've been told, and, and I cannot verify this by a document, I've been told this. So I'm telling you the truth as I understand it. When the Cherokee young man, something like the bar mitzvah with the Jew, 13, 14 year old, early teens, that his father would take his son out in the woods and blindfold him, sit him down on a log and sit there with him and wait till the sun went down and very quietly the father would slip away because the son was to sit there until the father came again and removed what he couldn't, what he couldn't see so he could see again. And so he had all night he had all night to sit there blindfolded in the dark. And you know, when you don't understand and sometimes you're not seeing clearly, things are uh, uh, magnified greatly. You hear birds singing, it's louder than normal. Or maybe a shower's coming up and you hear the thunder roll and it's, everything is magnified when you cannot see what's going on. And that young Cherokee would have to deal with his emotions all night long in the quietness of sitting on a log blindfolded. Thinking, as I misstated it, thinking that his father had gone back to the house or back to wherever. And when daylight would come, the father sitting next to him all night would take off the blindfold and let the boy look around and said and learn the lesson you may not have felt seen or known but I was here all along it's a good lesson for us when I cannot feel see my emotions don't agree look around because the God that was with you there is with you now. I will never leave you. 
I will never forsake you. I've never, personally, I've never seen an angel, but I've seen one time my whole life. Now, I've been very aware of them, but I've never seen one like I see Pastor here. I've never, but one time. And, and uh, living where we live now, there in Florence, in the middle of the night, I was awakened as much as I'm awake now. All of a sudden, I'm laying there with June next to me. I'm awakened like this, just that quick. And I looked over her laying here, and sitting next to her was an angel. He was just sitting there like this. Didn't have a hair on his head. But I'm going to tell you, that dude you don't want to mess with. I mean, he'd scare the devil out of anybody. I mean, he was, you know what I mean? He's, the, he's that kind. And he was looking straight ahead and paid no attention to me. And I'd just see him like this. And it didn't last long. But when I saw him, I knew it was an angel. And immediately I knew in my heart, by the impression of the Lord, not a verbal voice, that I just wanted you to know I'm taking care of Jim. Isn't that good? You don't have to see an angel to know that. Psalm 1018 said, This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Second point I want to make is, know what He did for you when the sun was shining. He, he, uh, he's not reversed it on a rainy day. <laughs> have you know, whenever, have you know there are just some days you just go, Whoa, what a day. There's some days you go, It's like somebody says, There's two kind of people that get up in the morning. Leapers and creepers. <laughs> Some folks get up and say, Good morning, Lord. Some folks get up and say, Good Lord, it's morning. <laughs> I mean, well, there's two kinds. And so, how, come on now, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Because it, what he did for you when the S-O-N was shining, manifesting, he'll do for you on a rainy day. He didn't change. Let me give you the third one. By faith we bring that day into this day and be glad in it. Uh, wow. Our daughter, our younger daughter, a number of years ago was going through a, a rather tragic divorce. It was not a nice one. I guess there is some nice ones, but I've never seen one. God hates divorce, but He don't hate the divorced. Don't forget that. So she was going through this, and I was having a hard time, and we have a downstairs at our house, so I, I walked down the stairwell, and the foot of the stairwell, uh, I just got down, went down there to be alone, and I'm crying. And I said, Lord, I'm, I'm going to have to have some help to get through these days. As clear as I hear my voice speaking to you, I heard his voice speak to me. You wouldn't have heard it out here, but I heard it. This is what the Lord said. Son, will you trust me? Let me know. I'm, I'm asking you, will you trust the Lord? Will you dare to say to God tonight in this renewal, revival, will you dare to say to God, I, I, I can figure this out. But, but I trust you. Because that's bottom line. And I said out loud, yes, I will. Well, I wanted to think the marriage was going to work and everything's going to be over and but nothing changed. Went through the divorce. It was not good. And 
And there were days, there were days that my emotions would come back and, I mean, no, because you got delivered yesterday don't mean the devil is, is going to leave you alone. So my emotions would come and try to rush back in. And every time it did, I hear that voice again. But you said you'd trust me. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is a good verse. It's a good life verse. I will trust the Lord. Listen to me. I will lean not to my own understanding. In all my ways, I will acknowledge Him. He will direct my path. <laughs> I mean, so uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm at the doctor. You know, Gene and I went through this we had a few medical years there. I mean, God's taken June through some incredible, that angel, that promise, I'll take care of her. He's taken care of her. The Lord's done that. And she's still my, my good thing. The best thing other than Jesus ever happened to me. So we went to, we, somehow in a year or two years, I don't know, every time we turn around, we're at the doctor. Well, where are you going? We're going to the doctor. Kids are going, where are you now? We're coming from the doctor. I mean, what were we doing? I don't know, but we was going to the doctor. <laughs> don't know what I mean. I mean, you just get up every morning. How many doctors appointments? How many we got this week? Well, you know, you go through all of that. And then I go, then here's what started happening to me. I'd go to the doctor for one thing and then found out something else was wrong. You know, it's like, I got a toothache. And you go to the dentist and he wants to pull every tooth he got. I go, that wasn't why I came. But God was using it. So I go and they, you know, do some tests and say, you, you in your colon, there's, there's a mass down there. You got PET scan, you got a lymph node in your chest lit up. You got a huge mass of some sort down in your colon area. So anyway, I do a colonoscopy. If you've never had one, you don't want one. you've had one, you know what I'm talking about. So anyway, so I, I, had, I had a colonoscopy in Nashville, and so I'm a young doctor, uh, Dr. Snyder, and I'm sure a great doctor, and so I'm laying on, a, on the bed, and he comes by, and he's angry with me, and he ever is angry. The doctor's angry. And I want to say, hey, dude, I'm down here, you up there. And he looked at me, and he said, you should have been here 10 years ago. Well, I've never had a colonoscopy in my life. I mean, how do you know that next time, guys, on your birthday, your wife gives you a doctor's appointment to have a colonoscopy? <laughs> and so I didn't say, I didn't respond back. And he said, there's a mask there that I can't touch. It's so large. He'd take a surgeon. Okay. So our... Uh, we had a relationship with a cardiologist that just navigated this whole process. So we wound up with the best surgeon in Centennial Hospital. And um, I'm in the operating room, and June is uh, uh, in the family and the girls, and some of the church folks are sitting out in the lobby. And I don't, I'm not anxious about this. I can promise you, I was not fearful. I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know. I mean, you know, I, there, sometimes you just go, I don't know. I, I just trust the Lord. I didn't have a rhema word. 
So I go in there in peace. But June, she's a prayer warrior. She starts, she gets, she gets pursuing God, and God gave her a word. Here was the word God gave her. I would have fainted had I not believed I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And it became real to her. It was rhema to her. Well, anyway, back to the operating room, which I'm asleep. Hallelujah. The doctor said, take three or four hours. You may have to take out all the coal. We don't know what all until we get in there. Okay, so 45 minutes, the surgeon comes out in the lobby where all these people are with June and the girls, comes out in the lobby. And June says, he's shaking hands with everybody in the lobby like a pastor. But he's the surgeon. I mean, you know, in 45 minutes, it's supposed to take three or four hours. Wouldn't you be a little anxious if he came out and goes, well, we lost the old boy, but I just want to come tell you. He died in peace. <laughs> Not all of him. We got some of him before he left. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't you think that? I mean, you know, if I'd have been June, I would have thought that. Well, she don't know. So here's Dr. Pope coming out. Dr. Pope, wasn't that his name? And so he's shaking hands with everybody. He comes over to June, and he shakes June's hand. He said, I can't find it. She said, what? The tumor. It's gone. <laughs> It was gone. Okay. You go, uh, maybe it never was there. Uh, my, uh, our cardiologist, a dear friend of ours, and uh, our doctor too, this is what he told me. He said, no, we take pictures. He said, here it was. And we took another picture. It's gone. Do, do you understand that, that, that it may not? I, so, well, I tried that. Bless God, that didn't work. Take that day, bring it into this day, and rejoice on that day in this day, and leave the rest to the Lord. You can trust the Lord when you can't figure it out. By faith, bring that day into this day. What He did for you then is now available now. Let me, let me do one more point. Here it is. Point four. That day at the cross happened in time. You understand? Kronos, time. But that day in Kronos time has now become eternal. And when we receive what happened on that day, we have now entered the eternal that happened on that day. So now the eternal resides within and cannot be robbed of its power and strength because it is eternal. Hey, you know, the cross wouldn't thought up on the day of the cross before time ever was. God had that in His plan. Okay? So, the sun can still shine on a rainy day because that day and what happened is eternal and has not waned. It's as powerful as if it had happened this morning and the tomb is empty and Jesus is Lord. The throne is occupied. The devil is defeated. And Jesus Christ rules and reigns in His church. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, let, let, me, let, me, let me wind up. Go out of here tonight, because we're going to pray for hope to be restored. But go out of here tonight going, okay, I'm going to get up in the morning, and I'm going to rejoice about that day today. I, when I was in seminary, you know, I've always been a little fanatical, I guess, but when I was in seminary, you meet a lot of intellectuals. You know, you, 
this is a graduate school, and so you meet a lot of guys that have the idea. They're intellectuals now. They're in seminary. And so this little boy came to me one day. I still remember it. Real black-headed, dark-complected boy. He came and said, Doc, I just want you to know something. Every time I hear you say, praise the Lord, it's offensive to me. I said, well, praise the Lord. <laughs> That's exactly what I said. He didn't respond. You may not see it when the rain is coming and the clouds are, but the sun's still shining beyond all of that. So you can rejoice that the sun that shone that day is still shining on your life this day. And here's what I've come to conclusion. Amazing things when you can do this will happen. Here they are. God will take victory out of defeat. He will take your defeat and turn it into victory for your good and His glory. The second thing will happen. He will bring life out of death. What the devil meant for bad. Number three, he will bring resurrection from a cross. The tomb is empty. I, 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 love, I love the resurrection. The resurrection. If I, could, if I can describe the resurrection, the cross was awful. I cannot imagine. Sometimes, uh, Pastor Jeff... Uh, Pastor Larry, sometimes when I'm uh, privately alone with the Lord, and it's like the cross becomes real to me, and I, and I cannot stop weeping. I can actually feel some of that in my soul. Because I've been there. One time in my life, Jim and I were privileged, and it's a whole story in itself. We actually walked upon Golgotha's Hill in Jerusalem. And when I walked upon it, I wept uncontrollably. I could not stop weeping because the anointing that was there at Calvary still lingering. But it was at the cross when he said it's finished and bowed his head and to, to your hands I commit my spirit, took him down, put him in a tomb. But I can hear in my heart, I can hear in my heart when they nailed him to the cross, the Bible said he descended down and preached to the spirits in prison. This is my sanctified imagination, and please allow me just a little liberty here. I believe when he descended into Hades, not the lake of fire, into Hades. And I can see the devil and all of his demons, they're having a party and a half. Because, I mean, old Abraham threatened them, but not like this man. Elijah and Elijah, you go right down the list, but no man like this man. And I can see the devil and his chief imps just throwing a party. And probably the chief of all the demons, the imps as I called them, came up to Lucifer and said, Sir, I hate to bring it up, but I hear steps. Can't be. He's dead. You say, don't you think the devil knew that? No, he didn't because Paul said, had he known there would be a resurrection, he would not have crucified him. And so he ignore it. He's dead. In a minute, I can see that, sir, they're getting heavier. <laughs> Whoa! Can't you just see all this? And all this, Hades is having a party. We got him! We crucified him! 
And about that time, the Son of the living God kicked the door open, and he walked up to where the devil himself was. And even, even the devil bows in the presence of Almighty God. And he bowed, and Jesus reached over and took from his side the keys of death, hell, and the grave. <laughs> Sunday morning came. He came out and said, Church, guess what? I got the keys. <laughs> I got them, church. I got the keys of death. I got the keys of hell and the grave. And, and you, know, you know what? I believe with all my heart that the, 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 the Spirit of God uh, just couldn't stand for the Son of God to be in that grave. And uh, so I, I think, I think the, Son, the Spirit of God must have said uh, uh, to the Father, Father, what, what are we going to do? For the same Spirit that raised Him from the dead will quicken your mortal body. I think the Father said, Arise, my love. Death no longer will have a hold on you. <laughs> and, and, you know, uh, you know why? They didn't roll that stone away to let Jesus out. They rolled it away to let Peter in. And, and, and you know something? When Peter walked in there, he and Peter outran John. John obviously was the one. Peter goes in there. And, uh, and here's the facial napkin that's folded over here. And what they had him wrapped in, he slipped out of. And the, and, and the napkin is folded and laid to a side, which means nobody stole it. He got out of here, took time. Can't you just see that? Jesus slipped out of that thing, folded that napkin, because there's a, a tradition behind it. When a carpenter left his shop, he took his apron and folded it that said, I'll be back. <laughs> Jesus said, see this? I'll be back. And roll, and the Spirit rolled the stone away and came out and gave us resurrection power. If I can do what we're talking about tonight, God will take the wrath of men and turn it into God's glory. Whatever the devil meant for bad, God said, I'm bigger than that. So here we are at church. I'm in here on a, th on a Wednesday night and realize that some folks had to go to their own church tonight, but I'm glad you're here I need to preach this to me every once in a while. The sun can still shine on a rainy day. But I need to figure out, because I, I don't know about you, but I, I'm kind of an emotional person. I mean, you know, I'm, I can feel good and I can feel bad and I can feel in between. What's the truth? This is the day the Lord has made. That's eternal. I will rejoice in that day in this day, and it makes this day a good day. Not because anything changed. Nothing changed in this day. I've got to tell you one more. One time, and I was at, June and I were at the chapel for 35 years. I pastored it 35 years. Somewhere in that 35-year period of time, I got thinking, I'd, uh, you know, maybe I need to move. And I was very troubled about it. So I was, we were in Montgomery, Alabama at a, at a meeting similar to this one, except it was just pastors, church leaders. 
but it wasn't a large meeting, about the size of this maybe. And we were there with another pastor and his wife, and um, we walk into this church in Montgomery. And as I walk in, the secretary met me, Pastor Doc, there's an emergency phone call for you. And my mom had been not well. So I went to the phone. It was our younger daughter. She said, Daddy, uh, Grandma's dying, and they want you to come. Well, my emotions said, I, I, it, was, it would take me four hours to get there, but my emotions said, Honey, let's, let's go. But I heard the Lord. While I held that phone, Bill, I heard the Lord say, If you will stay, I'll speak to you, and you will never doubt that where you are is not where I put you. I said, I'll stay. And then he said, and I'll let you have part in your mother's home going. Okay. I hung the phone up. I went into the meeting. How many know you go into a meeting like this? and You think God designed it for you. I thought I was the only one there. I mean, for an hour and a half, it was like God go, I'm talking to you, I'm talking to you, I'm talking to you. When the meeting was over, we're walking down the hall, and I'm holding hands with June. June's a very honest person. She don't pretend. So we're holding hands, and she looked up at me, and she said, You know, honey, at home, things are not any different. I said, No, but I am. See, nothing, nothing had changed. But that day became real this day and gave hope in this day that restored this moment in time. And we drove four hours to where my mom and, uh, lived and my dad, and he had passed away. And When I got there, there were cars, as you would know. And I walk up on the porch, and one of my sisters met me and said, she's gone. When we left that meeting in Montgomery, when pulled out on the interstate, I prayed this prayer with my pastor friend and June and his wife in the back. And I said, Father... If it's all right, just let Mama go on home. That's all I said. When I got to the house, my sisters met me on the front porch. I said, when did Mama leave? We calculated the time. Right after I said that, the Lord said to my Mama, come on home. <laughs> I'm, t I'm telling you, that day is a good day for any day, and it'll make the sun shine on any rainy day. Can you say amen to that? I mean, that's where we live, isn't it? That's where we live. And so, let me ask you tonight, and I, Lord have mercy. Time runs quick down here, up here. Where is your hope tonight? Has it been weakened? And it doesn't need to be strengthened. You have to make a choice. God will restore the hope because hope deferred will make the heart sick. But what about posturing yourself for revival and renewal? Because hope, hope will have to be engaged. Where hope is lost, faith is not active. Because faith, as you know, faith becomes the substance of what we're hoping for. 
So my question to you is I ask myself, what hope do I have? I think God wants to restore it. Wednesday night's a good time for God to restore. The church, I think, has lost a lot of her hope because she thinks she's losing the battle. But I want to report to you, I read the last chapter of the last book, We Still Win. He who began a good work in you will finish it to the end. Let's pray. Thank you. Whoa, my water level is rising. Thank you, Jesus. Father, in the quietness of this moment, we say, come Holy Spirit. Quicken the understanding of that day as it relates to this day. Lord, for the precious saints of God that are here on Wednesday night, as I put myself in this prayer, Lord, restore hope tonight. Quicken it to our heart again that even though it looks like it probably is not that, breathe upon us, O oh God, tonight. I just, I think this is a quiet moment with the Lord. Perhaps one of the things I know that God loves is our response to the tugging of the Holy Spirit. If you're here tonight, and this message was for you, as it was for me, God wants to restore hope in your heart. Hope in, in situations that look hopeless. But if you'll take Psalm 118 and wrap it around your heart tonight, there will be either instant or a, a, a process of restoring hope again. The sun will shine on that dark day. I need my hope restored. Doesn't mean you don't love God. Doesn't mean you don't know God. It means hope deferred makes the heart sick. If that's you, in the quietness of this moment, God will meet you where your desire and faith is. Would you stand right where you are and say, Lord, I need you to restore hope in me. Again, it has nothing to do with your love for God. That's not what we're... It's hope. Just be honest enough. Stand up where you are. I'll wait just a minute. No pressure. Nobody's coming. Nobody's going to ask you why you're standing or why you didn't. Please don't stand just for me. Stand because that's your heart. Just stand where you are.
I need God to restore hope. I just need that. Now, some of you are facing some rainy days. You're in it right now. I'm challenging you to go back to Psalm 118 and bring that day into this day and say this. This is the day the Lord has made. I will today rejoice and be glad in it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. When there is no hope or hope is waning, it's, it's descending, then faith has nothing to ignite and release. So, Father, I pray for every precious individual tonight, everyone. I say, Lord, as I've already prayed, either instantly or gradually, as they choose tonight the message to restore hope. Just receive right now. Just tell the Lord, Lord, I receive the restoration of hope in my heart. He knows your situation. He knows it better than you know it. And there's hope in the middle of it. I promise you, the good feeling that things can get better, it may not change, but in you it will get better. That's where your hope is. Thank you, Father.